This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Another successful home game for West Bromwich Albion, beating Blackburn 4-1. But uh, before we get into all that, we're recording on Sunday afternoon and it is a very significant day in the year, Pete, because it's your birthday Happy birthday to you, my good friend. Um, uh, I hope you've got some uh, some big plans, and I and I believe you got um you got an early birthday present yesterday as well. Um, getting to see the glorious baggies, uh, victorious. What a day! What a birthday! Thank you very much. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, managed to get back for the game, and doesn't happen too often. But what a game to get back to, and had plenty of chances to celebrate with with four goals scored as well. So I definitely couldn't ask ask for much more. Do you want to utterly depress me and make me feel old and tell tell us uh, tell us what birthday this is for you? Twenty four today. I'm not going to swear. I'm not. I'm not going to swear. But uh, but that do, that does make a that does make a forty year old man who's ha- having to record on his sofa because uh, he needs uh, he needs a um, bit of soft furnishings to lean back on because his back hurts. It does make make one feel old, Pete. But uh, uh, to be fair, after uh, after seeing uh, seeing a man even younger than you running around like uh, uh, like uh, like a jackrabbit yesterday in Brandon Thomas Asante, um, I, I suppose I can't complain. About the uh, um, the energy of youth, uh, if indeed that's how you how you describe yourself, and it was an energetic performance from Albion. We were just chatting off air, Pete, and it was it was it was slightly different to probably what we had anticipated. If we, if we're truthful, Albion two point nine xg to zero point nine xg from Blackburn. Now that's significant for a, for a couple of reasons. First of all, only twice this season have Albion stacked up more than 2.0 xg in a game the other one was qpr at home where we did have a penalty and they did have a man sent off so that's our highest xg of the season against 11 men it's also our highest expected goal difference in a game 
other than the QPR game, which again, like I say, they did have, we did have a penalty and they were down to 10 men. I mean, basically, Pete, everything, taking everything into, into account, I think it's fair to say it's our most attacking performance of the season. It's our most dominant performance of the season, isn't it? Yeah, I think we were superb in basically everything we tried to do and every player was excellent and so was the tactics that Corbran went for and we, we probably played played a bit more direct at times. Um, we still played intricate passing at the back, but I think a lot of that was more to draw Blackburn out and then we could go along and get it forward to Thomas Asante, who was absolutely superb and really unlucky not to, to get a touch on, on that uh, second goal to make it a hat-trick. And Fellows as well, who was excellent. I think it was slightly different to maybe what we're used to with Corbran, just being a bit more direct at times than we have been and... It really worked. We were such a threat against Blackburn, created so many chances, and to be fair, didn't really concede any big chances. I mean, you you and I were looking at Blackburn for, for much of the early part of last week because if, if anybody hasn't noticed, we have got a sub stack now. We've, uh, we've expanded out into written content. Please, please, we've, we've been uh, tweeting out the links to it. We'll tweet out more next week, but, um, uh, but you, c- you can get more content from us than ever before. There will be written content um, throughout the week. This will become a constant thing. And just to receive it straight into your inbox, all you've got to do is sub- uh, subscribe doesn't cost you anything at this moment in in time um so all you got to do is put your put your email address in and you will get content sent straight to your inbox which pete and i will be producing every week and some of that content last week pete was you did a performance analysis of blackburn and i think i think one of the lines in it because of course i did read it of course i did it's fantastic content was this uh, Blackburn looked like one of the best teams we could play at this moment in time in terms of they're one of the best teams to play, not that they're one of the best teams. And then I did, um, I did, uh, I did a very uh, a quick um, opposition preview as well with, with Rovers chat and, and they came back extremely negative and basically said, look, um, I think one of, the, one of the exact lines in that was, um, I don't know what we'd do without Sammy Smodix. Well, we, they had to find out because he was ill on the day, as was Harry Pickering. They'd had, uh, they, I think you'd, you'd predicted one player different in your predicted 11 between Rovers chat and yours. And that was a player that was recalled. So they were losing players left, right and centre. They, they're not, they were not in a good run of form anyway. Do you think there was a bit of Corbrand sat down this week and went, right, I'm just going to pile on the misery here. Like, I'm going to absolutely get after these. Obviously, he can't He can't know that Smodix and Pickering are going to be out because that they kept that very, very quiet. And I completely understand why. But nonetheless, they'd lost they'd lost a, uh, they'd lost a few players um, either through injury or through being recalled. They'd been in, on a pretty poor run of form as it was. And, and Corbrand, who normally is a little bit of a caution first type manager threw caution to the wind in this particular game. And do you think, do you think there was an element of, I see an opportunity here. I see an opportunity to get after Blackburn from the minute, from minute one. And I think if we get an early goal here, they will crumble. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I mean, I thought both through the data and, well, yeah, I mean, mostly through the data, I was going to say both through the data and the results, but I suppose the results are the data. Um, that they'd be one of the best teams to play in the league right now. Yeah, like you say, doesn't make too much sense when you say that. Best teams in terms of an Albion perspective. So one of the worst performing teams to play because before Albion, they'd only got one draw in the last five league games and that was against Rotherham, I think. Um, so they're in a 
poor on a form. Um, the general underlying numbers weren't great in terms of goal, expected goal difference. Um, the thing that they do do well is create chances um, and score score goals. But I suppose we, we really benefited from them missing Schmodix, who's obviously the league's top goal scorer and, and their biggest threat going forward. Um, so we, we really benefit from that. And the side of the, the story for Blackburn is they may be really good going forward, but they're one of the worst teams in the league um, defending. And I think only Rotherham have conceded more goals than them. So, I mean, in an attacking sense as well, Pete, Sam Gallagher left on the bench after apparently Ipswich made a bid for him in the in the week as well. So, it's, you know, a lot of things, wasn't there? A lot of factors. Yeah, and just losing what's meant to be a very good centre-back, going back, being recalled from his loan to Bournemouth. And I think even before um, Corbyn would have received the news on Schmodix not playing, I imagine he would have thought, okay, this is a team that's in terrible form. Um, they've been really poor defensively this season, so and they're they're away from home. So if we can get at them early, get an early goal, um, then it's it's not going to be a particularly nice afternoon for them. And that's what we did. We got the early goal, and to be fair, I think when he did receive the news um, that Schmodix would be out and wouldn't be playing, um, he probably thought, okay, we've got even more reason to to get forward and and try and be on the front foot because their biggest threat isn't here, a player who loves to run in behind isn't playing, um, so we can be a bit more front-footed and, and that's what we were. And we, we got the early goal and then we just piled on the misery from there. So basically what we're saying, Pete, is that between you and Rovers chat, you one, you pretty much 100% called what was going to happen in the game before it, before it even kicked off. And if people want to actually know what exactly is going to happen in a game before before it's even started you know take the pressure off as it were the bottom line is all they've got to do is subscribe to the sub stack haven't they you know i mean it's it's all it's all there you've you you literally called the game before it even kicked off yeah hopefully the the content we're producing is going to be valuable and i think to be fair that's probably a a good way to start the opposition analysis pieces because yeah i'd say we weren't too far off and we're definitely helped by the fact that there was no Sammy Schmodix. I'm happy to be wrong in that part of it in my predicted lineup. There's, I mean, to be fair, there's no way of knowing he wasn't going to play, but I'm happy to be wrong there when the league's best goal scorer is out. And obviously the piece that you did with Rovers chat as well is always good to, to get the view of the opposition from somebody who watches them every week. And we're going to be producing both those pieces of content for um, every league game this season and various others throughout the week. We're aiming to get at least four pieces out per week so yeah like you say all you have to do is subscribe if you want the link it's on the albion analysis twitter profile it's the pin pin tweet on there so you just have to follow that enter your email address and you'll get all the pieces straight through to your inbox as soon as they're published brilliant stuff well don't worry that's uh, <laughs> that, that's that's all the plugs we will do for for today but look uh, genuinely if you enjoy the stuff that pete and i Witter on about on this podcast week in week out. There's no reason why you won't enjoy it. It's it, it's it's similar content, but bit of written gives us it gives us the opportunity to go into go into more depth because we can only give a minute or two to uh, to stuff on uh, on here uh, a lot of the time, and it just gives us that opportunity to go into it in more depth. I wouldn't be surprised, Pete, if uh, in the coming week there was there was there was something mentioning Brandon Thomas Asante. To be honest with you, because he was absolutely tremendous in in this game. And it was a very different performance to that we've seen from Brandon Thomas Asante in the past. It was, I think, I think we've we've said before that he's got a lot of qualities, but is he a naturalised number nine? Well, he looked like one in the in this game. 
he hasn't scored three goals. He's been a part of three goals. I, I, I do give him a degree of credit for the for the second one because I'm not sure without him throwing himself at it, there was there's a danger that somebody could have got back and could have got back and cleared it. To be honest, so he gets a degree of credit even if he doesn't touch the ball, which is why it, the goal doesn't belong to him. But the 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 first goal he scores is is obviously a real fantastic goal i mean it's just he he gambles on the on the player making a mistake from the header who was Hyam, who had an absolutely horrible game because he's obviously the one who's turned home the own goal as well he then isolates the the defender which is something we don't necessarily see enough from brandon thomas asante and then the hit into the far corner is just it, well, I, I think Jez said on the on the on the commentary, it's the only place he could have put it and scored, and he's absolutely right. And then you look at the it, obviously there's the one that scrambled over uh, over the line. It's just being in the right place in the right time to see the ball over over the line. And the, the last one is a real striker's instinct uh, about the, about the goal. You know, he just he well, I'll tell you what he said post match because I found it really interesting, Pete. He said. It, in post match, he got asked about that that goal, and and he said, "You you've got to give all the credit to Darnell because Darnell does all the hard work winning the header." He he said, "But I I just saw the ball going into Darnell. I saw it was a good ball, and I just backed him to uh, to win the header, and uh, so I got across the front of the defender, and I got into the position for if he did win it, and I thought." First of all, you're being very modest, giving all the giving all the credit to Darnell. Don't get me wrong; it's a phenomenal header from Darnell, and and the leap he gets. And we'll come on to Darnell Furlong in a bit because I thought he was superb in in that game and and deserves a lot of credit. But you can't give all the credit to Darnell because there's still a lot left to do. First of all, the movement that is something that he says he talks about. I I gambled on Darnell winning that header, like it's a given, like any player would do that. Well. Brandon, six months ago, you weren't doing that. I'm, you weren't thinking like that. Your brain wasn't thinking like that. Your brain wasn't seeing a ball going into Darnell Furlong and going, I need to go across the front of the defender. Do you know what? Maybe even six weeks ago, I'm not sure he was thinking like that. I don't know whether DK coming back into training has helped him because DK, whatever you want to say about him, is a totally natural finisher. And perhaps training with somebody who's like that, we've said for a few, for for quite a while on here that we felt that that Brandon Thomas Asante could really benefit from working with a real natural finisher. And we we threw around names like Peter Peter Ron and Wingy and and Kevin Phillips, and could they come in and coach him? Well, maybe maybe just the natural finisher in the squad coming back onto the grass and being around him, maybe it has rubbed off on him, and he started thinking like a proper striker because that's what that was. That was a proper striker's move. And then the other goal, what he said about it in post-match interview, he said, I, I, I've i scored that goal before. I know I should score it a, a little bit more. So I knew exactly what I had to do as soon as I got the ball. And I thought that's so cool, calm and confident. And I just think at the moment with Brandon, we've got a gr- guy who's in just a phenomenal mindset. And I, I, I I've said this before, Pete, we we can do the numbers all we like, and we will. But I think centre-forward play is as much about mentality as it is about anything else. And you can measure that mentality to a certain degree by numbers, because finishing numbers tell their own story. But I think it's 
I've spoke to top strikers. I've I've been fortunate enough to work with some really really top strikers while I was while I was at the Albion, and so many of the top strikers that uh, that I've worked with say that you know when you're in a good place scoring goals and the ball comes into those areas, the game just slows down for you. It's like it's in slow motion, and every, and and this calmness comes over you and you just you just know what you have to do and you know and i think that was true of peter when he was on his run of form i think it was always true of kevin phillips like you know these these are these are great great finishers and 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 i think they had that coolness that calmness in in big moments i don't necessarily think we've seen that from from brandon a lot of the time but we did yesterday and i just wonder whether he's starting to believe in himself a bit more after some criticism earlier in the season, some probably quite unfair criticism as well, by the way. And I also wonder, and I do do honestly believe this, whether DK coming back into training and being able to work and learn from a really, really good finisher has massively helped him because I I thought we saw a really different Brandon Thomas Asante yesterday i think he always contributes in games but that was that was that that was a genuinely complete performance from a west bromwich albion striker wasn't it i didn't think it was missing i didn't think it was missing anything really i thought i thought from what you can expect from a championship center forward i thought that was as perfect a display as you're possibly going to get he was terrific and yeah like i say there's there's basically nothing you can complain complain about i think he benefited from the fact that we were looking to isolate him against the Blackburn centre back, draw Blackburn onto us, and then um, go along into to Brandon and Tom Fellows, and that would often leave Brandon isolated with his centre back. And we, I thought Palmer's passing was really good, um, and quite often dropping it into his feet rather than into his head or into his chest, so into his feet where he can take a touch and then turn. Um, and I don't know if it's because he's played as a winger in the past. I'm skeptical skeptical to say it's his preferred position because I I think he looks like a, a striker a number 9 um and not just off that performance I think throughout the season as well I, I don't really buy into the fact that I think he, as... I think that's what he wants to be Pete I think I think it 100% you, you the, to me great strikers love scoring goals he loves it doesn't he he absolutely loves it Yeah he loves it and it's probably one of his his best attributes as from what he does he looks more of a striker to me than he would if he played out wide as a winger, um, and when he's isolated against the centre back, if it's just if it's just him and the centre back, then I'd back him to beat him enough times in a game to make it worthwhile because he's got strength, he's quick. We saw it against Blackburn; he can pin and not pin like DK does, where he he takes it into his chest and just lays it off and doesn't let the centre back get anywhere around him or any near anywhere near the ball. Brandon pins and spins and gets the ball into his feet. And then turns straight away and goes past the centre back. He does that really well. Um, it's just which he did for Pippa's chance, didn't he? Yeah, did it terrifically then, and a number of the, number of other times as well. So I think when once you get him isolated against a defender, he's really useful. I think what he struggles with is when he's got players around him where he can't take these slightly heavier touches and use his pace. Um, I think he's a good dribbler, but he can sometimes look a bit lost if he's got two or three men around him when he's receiving the ball. I think with Brandon, you really need to get him isolated, and that's when he can beat his man. But yeah, his finishing was great, and I've been saying it throughout most of the season that his his finishing this season hasn't really been the problem. Last season, his finishing was quite poor. This season, he's basically been in line with his expected goals, and after the burn game, he, he scored more than 
um, his expected goals, so you could say his finishing has been good. His issue has been not getting enough chances, but against Blackburn, we saw him get a really good chance for his uh, second goal. What would have been a really good chance for what would have been his second goal, the, the goal mouth scramble that ended up being an own goal if he'd got a touch on that. It's a really good chance. Either way, he was there. And like you said earlier, Chris, that if he hadn't been there, we probably wouldn't have been fortunate fortunate enough to get the own goal. So getting into those areas is promising. And I wonder if the performance also helped that he probably knew that he was going off after 17 minutes or however long it was because um, we need to get yeah, we were talking about legs. this in the stands. We, we, we and, and I think Bomber Brown said this as well on WM that it, it does it does help if you can if you just if you don't think you've got to play every single minute of the game, so you've got to worry about how you conserve your energy. If you know that you can just go hell for leather for seventy minutes and then somebody else is gonna come on and replace you, that 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 really helps. Yeah, it probably allows him to just put a bit more into each sprint he's making or make a few more runs and to know that you're only going to be playing 70 minutes, which I'm almost certain he, he knew at the start of the game. Yeah, it, it must definitely help. And to be fair, we saw it last season when DK returned from injury. Uh, Brandon started scoring a lot more goals. Um, it seemed to be that, I think we went through a phase where it seemed to be whichever, strike, whichever striker didn't start the game came off the bench and scored goals. And having that competition and knowledge that you're not now re- relied upon to play every 90 minutes of every single game it's probably a bit of a weight off his shoulders and also not playing um, against Aldershot probably allowed him to recover a bit more and just have a bit more energy and a bit more, probably a bit more relaxed because he knows that the weight of scoring goals for the team isn't just on his shoulders now. Do you think it's that? Do you think it's the the, um, the, the confidence and uh, and knowing that it, the weight of the team isn't on his shoulders? Do you think there's also something in, in the idea that he is learning off DK, who's a very good finisher in training? Yeah, probably. And to be fair, DK, I wouldn't say he's... I would say he's the type of finisher like Kevin Phillips, for example, was that would just, you know, place it wherever he wants and pick out the area of the goal where the keeper's not going to get anywhere near it. I think a lot of DK's finishing relies on how he strikes the ball um, and he hits hits it so hard, but also with accuracy. But his movement gets him a lot of chances, DK. And that's something that Brandon, after the first half of this season, seems to have struggled with. Last season, he was brilliant for it and had one of the highest non-penalty expected goals per 90 in the league. This season, he's not had anywhere near as many chances. So even if it's it's not just the finishing, it's the movement and the, the willingness to, to get chances because sometimes it's just as simple as, as gambling on a second ball. You make a movement and sometimes you get lucky and it falls to you. Well, the, the gambling on Furlong winning a header. Exactly. And sometimes you, yeah, sometimes Furlong wins that header. And you've made the movement and you're there to finish it. And I think, like, I mean, last season, yeah, like I said, Brandon wasn't getting as many chances. Uh, no, last season, Brandon was getting a lot more chances. This first half of this season, he hasn't been. But DK, you know, throughout his career has always been good at getting chances in that movement. So if Brandon can learn a bit of, bit of that movement off DK and a bit about how he, he finishes as well and can start improving his game whilst working with DK, um, then... Yeah, he, he might go on a little run like he did last season when DK came back after injury and, and score a few more goals for us. And if that's the case, then I'm sure every Albion fan will be very happy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great. There's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record and the Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, he hits the target a lot as well, Pete. 51% of his shots uh, are, on, are on target, which backs up the idea that he's not he's not a pad finisher. I mean, if, if you're better than one in two of your shots uh, going on target, you're giving yourself a chance. And I thought, I think it's interesting as well, when you look at how many goals he's got, he's now got nine goals in in the league. Of course, he will feel, he will feel it should be, it should be 10th, which it should be 10, which um, I mean, at the, at the moment he's the equal, equal seventh um, top scorer. He would be outright seventh top scorer if he had, if he had 10, because nobody actually has, uh, has 10 as their, as their total at the, at the moment. But you look at the players that he's around and he's got the same number of goals as Joel Perot. Now, Joel Perot cost £12 million in the summer. He's got more goals than Hadji Wright. Hadji Wright cost £9 million in the summer. It's worth noting Brandon Thomas Asante cost 300 k and that there was rumours uh, in the in the summer of Stoke and, and other clubs sniffing around Brandon Thomas Asante with a proposed price tag of three million pounds. Now I, I I know it's not as as easy as Joel Perot cost this, so Brandon Thomas Asante is worth that because massively the situation of the club, how much you need to sell, etc. etc. How much money the buying club has got, they all they they, they all factor into these things. But if we can get the takeover done and get ourselves onto some sort of a relatively stable financial footing, Pete, and Brandon carries on performing the way he is. Frankly, three million quid, but wouldn't uh, wouldn't wouldn't buy uh, wouldn't buy his left sock, would it? At the at the moment, he's he's worth way more than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly say so. I suppose the issue is that clubs know that the current situation that we're in, um, we need money. That's the worry that we might sell him a little bit cheaper than what he's really worth because of that financial situation. I suppose it all depends what's going on in the background with potential takeovers and everything like that, but. Yeah, I'd say Thomas Santi is definitely worth more than three million pounds. Um, I think I checked last night, and there's only five. Uh, I think there's only five players that have scored more goals in the league than him this season, which is um, a pretty impressive feat, especially for somebody who a lot of people say isn't a natural striker or doesn't doesn't finish well enough. But yeah, with the way that he played against Blackburn, I don't think anyone's going to be saying that. Um, it was a terrific performance, an all-round striker performance, and um, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be happy if we lose him uh, this window or next <laughs> or, or any time in the in the very near future if I'm honest I think he's I think he's really coming on leaps and bounds and Another one that is coming on leaps and bounds, Pete, and we we need to talk about him again for a second week in a row, is Tom Fellows. And speaking of players we wouldn't want to lose because, come on, sign him up on that contract. Please, now, 
Because we need uh, Fabrizio Romano, by the way, interestingly, doing his best to sell our players this week. And uh, I've never seen Fabrizio Romano talk about West Brom ever. And then, uh, and in the space of seven days, he's selling Tom Fellows to, uh, or, or 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 sending Tom Fellows on a free to Everton, and then uh, and then saying that Cedric Kipre will definitely leave in in the summer. That all remains to be seen. That's certainly not. Uh, that's certainly not the rumours that I've heard coming out of the club. I, uh, it was a few weeks ago, but I, I heard I heard people saying that they were quite confident on both of those players signing new contracts. I don't think uh, I think one of the things to say on this is I wouldn't think that either of them are going to sign anything until the takeover is done and dusted. Because well, why would you? To be honest with you, but I mean we've got to hope that we can keep both of them. But fellows again with another standout performance perhaps slightly uh, overshadowed this week by Brandon Thomas Asante's brilliance but Fellows was excellent uh, 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 nonetheless you know you've got brilliant Brandon and fantastic Fellows you know that what what's what's not to what's not to love to be honest and Tom I mean it was it was interesting because you you could you could argue that Tom Fellows is playing instead of Jed Wallace at the moment yet Fellows played completely differently in that role to the way in which which Jed Wallace would play. I mean, our wide men were Fellows and Reach, and yet between them, our wide men put a total of two crosses into the box, one each. Um, so very little crossing, which is the the thing that you most associate really with with Jed Wallace in the wide positions. Instead, Tom was a real threat through the through the middle. Four shots, two on target. He's obviously got the goal as well, the opening goal of the day, which I have to say we talked last week about a boy becoming a man to a certain degree against Aldershot. I thought we saw that even further emphasised with that first goal, Pete. I mean... It's good, really good strength to just get the ball over the line. You know, good to be in that position, but just determined, held his man off, and made sure that he got the ball over the line. And throughout the game, he was he was a constant threat. We were clipping balls over the top. I thought some of some of the. By the way, I'm going to give a bit of credit as well to Adam Reach on the other side, who I thought was absolutely fantastic for for 45 minutes. I understood why. He was brought off about ten minutes into the into the second half, ten fifteen minutes into the second half, because I mean he's been out for six months, and to be honest, it looked like um, he got exhausted. He looked very tired from the moment he came out, really, for the for the second half. But I thought for forty five minutes he was absolutely fantastic, and some of his switches of play were just brilliant. I know he's not everybody's favorite player uh, because he's he's never going to be. AC is never going to fly past people, and despite his couple of long-range goals from Sheffield Wednesday uh, a few years back, he doesn't seem to do that very often anymore. Or, or, or possibly he didn't even do that do it that often. Then he just scored two in a week, and everybody thought it was the norm. But I thought he was fantastic, and I thought he linked up really well with with Tom, and he played those big switches over the top or into 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 really really dangerous areas. And got us going, and got Tom Fellows going, and Tom was just a constant threat. And it's it, it's so nice to have that option, not least because we need it at the moment with uh, with Wallace still feeling his way back to fitness, with Matt Phillips out injured, with um, uh, with Grady Dean Garner away at Afcon as well, but also Pete because he's really different to what we've what what we've got. Jed will go and get chalk on his boots, but. When you've got Reach and Fellows in in there, they they're not getting really really wide. I think Reach does 
a similar, if less dynamic job to Matt Phillips in the sense that he'll step inside and he will hit those he'll hit those switches or he'll step into a more central midfield type role and fellows is just so different to anything else we've got he'll he'll actually get up and he'll support the striker and possibly tom fellows being in the side is is part of the reason that brandon had such a good game because we've talked in the past about how isolated Brandon Thomas Asante can get in in that centre forward position. It's almost impossible to get isolated in that centre forward position when you've got Tom Fellows there because he works so hard to get up and support his front man. And I thought they were both brilliant, to be honest, Pete. Like I say, we only got forty five minutes out of Adam Reach due to due to fitness, but I thought he was fantastic. What what we saw of him, and as I say, some of some of his technical ability when it came to passing was was outstanding. And I thought Tom Fellows was fantastic. Well worth his goal. Showed great strength for it, and just gives us a completely different option to probably anything else we've got in that squad when when he's in that position. Yeah, Adam Reach. He was. I thought he was very clean in possession. Didn't give the ball away cheaply. Like you say, there was a couple of really nice switches. But other than that, he just he kept things going. He was part of some. I mean, some of the one touch passes we were playing were, were really nice, and Reach was part of that. And yeah, I thought yeah, like I say, really clean. Didn't give the ball away much, and and kept things moving. Allowed Townsend to get forward, go past him as Reach stepped inside in field, and would then cover him in the fullback position if he needed to. So he just felt like a real a real team player. Didn't didn't do anything wrong and played some really nice passes as well. So definitely nothing to complain about there. And it just seems like a a, a really solid option um, in that left left wing left mid spot. Yeah, when when you're in the championship, you need these solid options that are going to work hard for the team, be be good in possession. Not necessarily any, every player needs to be spectacular in possession, um, especially when you've got players like John Swift and Alex Moat playing very close to you. Um, and Tom Fellows on the other side was was really good and I thought it was a very different performance to what we kind of expect from him. In previous weeks I've said he seemed a bit one-dimensional at times with mainly just going on the outside of the fullback and whipping crosses in, albeit very good crosses. Against Blackburn it seemed to be that he wanted to make runs inside and basically just get him behind a lot and, and stretch the back line. And It was similar with DK, we wanted to get him isolated against the fullback um, and the centre-backs and he got close to to Thomas Asante to help him out. Made lots of runs in behind. I think also receiving passes from Alex Palmer, which was a bit of a surprise to me because he's, he's never going to be the most um, aerial, aerially dominant player. But he received four passes from Alex Palmer, which was the most that you received from anyone level with Darnell Furlong. Um, and it was just the wide switches to, to fellows, keeping that position, keep making those runs in behind. A lot of the time he didn't get the ball, but it stretched that Blackburn back line and forced him to drop deeper allowed a little bit more space in, in the pockets between defence and midfield for players like uh, John Swift and Alex Moat. Fully deserved his goal as well. It was a yeah really good movement at the back post to stay alive and, and just be alert to that chance and get there before his marker did. And I mean, Tronstad was doing his best to, to hold him off, but Fellows fought and showed real strength to, to get there ahead of him and, and head at home from about half a yard out. And on that, Pete, I mean, we were just chatting off uh, off air and saying that you know when he went to when he went to Crawley last season in League Two, there was there was nothing in his numbers coming out of his loan to suggest that this is the Tom Fellows we would get back. That you know, I mean, Crawley weren't a brilliant side last season. They've obviously improved a lot this this season, but they they weren't great last season, and maybe that was that was a factor. But 
he didn't he he did okay but he didn't he wasn't he didn't have an amazing time there but i think the biggest thing with it and when you look at that that goal and also the way he handled himself last week against an older shot side who 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 did have a lot of physicality about them as well is probably that loan has just it's just grown him up hasn't it it's it's just made him realize what professional efl football is all about it's given him experience and it's as i say boy to a man is the best way i can i can i can describe him because i mean he he looked um he's he looked decent before he went for that loan you know in the in the league cup games and that that he came on um and he came on a couple of times as well for the first team i think i i, I recall under um i think it was back when val was in charge if i if i remember correctly but he looked little and light and to be honest, it looked like a reasonable gust would send him over. He looks like he's hit the gym. He looks strong. He looks, I mean, looks an absolute nightmare to play against at the moment. He, and it, so, I mean, whilst um, whilst we can perhaps question from a sort of tactical and technical point of view how much his time at Crawley um, taught him, in terms of understanding the game and physicality and, and, and what is required of him, I think it's taught him everything, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd agree with that because I don't think he had a particularly great season at Crawley. I thought I, I never watched him. Um, I'll be honest, but I looked at the, the numbers behind it and it was just like a decent season. Um, I didn't see any Crawley fans really raving about him, but he's come back and he's been he's been very good for Albion. And I think, yeah, he's probably learned a lot more about what uh, the men's professional game is like from that loan than he has really in terms of actually developing. Um, Do you think he maybe the physicality at Crawley shocked him a little bit, and he spent a lot of the summer in the gym because he looks a lot bit uh, he looks a lot bigger than the lad that we let go out. Yeah, potentially, and I mean every interview that I've seen him do, and he he did a bit in the the Albion program for uh, the Blackburn game, and it just everything sounds and reads really well. He seems to be really hardworking and, and really um, grounded and willing to work on his game and and analyze what he does well and what he doesn't do well and, and what he can work on in training. So yeah, there's definitely um, potential in that being the case that he, he maybe felt like he needed to be a bit stronger. So spent a lot of time in the gym um, and bulked up and, and learned to use his body a bit bit better um, because now he does seem strong. Yeah, when, when he was playing under Ishmael, those couple of appearances, I think he made a start. He looked, he did look weak. He looked like a player that had just come through the academy. Um, but now he, not so much. It still looks raw and looks like he's learning every game, but the strength's there, the the pace is there, and the directness is there, as well as, of course, the quality being there. Um, so he's he's come come into the side and looked really promising. And every interview that I've seen and read of his, he talks about how he needs to play well to to earn more minutes, and then if he gets more minutes, he can develop even further. And the way that he's going at the minute is, I imagine he'll. Well, he be doesn't want to go to Blooming Everton, then does he? He won't play. <laughs> well, exactly. Stay with the Albion and. Uh, Sign a new contract, and the way you're playing at the minute, you're going to get a lot more minutes. Exactly. So the gist of what Pete's just said is, for Brizio Romano, sod off and stop selling our players, yeah. Um, but moving, <laughs> moving on from from uh, fellows and reach, but not moving on from the wide areas because we've talked about the the role the two wingers played, Pete. I just want to talk about the two fullbacks. We've touched on on, on Darnell Furlong, but when you tuck in the uh, the the two wide men a little bit more, like uh, as we did against Blackburn. It's really important that your two fullbacks give you give you that width and can offer you that that threat. And I thought 
they were both absolutely fantastic. I mean, Furlong had the most key passes in the game. He also had the the second most passes into the final third. Um, Townsend had um, the most uh, passes into the final third, the most progressive passes, and also the second most ball recoveries uh, uh, just behind a player that we will come on to talk to in uh, talk about in a in a minute. But I just uh, and uh, and then it was interesting that the final goal was almost a link up between the the two fullbacks because it's a lovely clip ball back in uh, from the second phase of the of the set play from um, uh, fr- from Connor Townsend and then Furlong does brilliantly to to win the header and they are much maligned at times our fullbacks I think uh, I think a lot of fans if you said to them if you could replace a couple of players in the in in the Albion starting eleven would replace the two fullbacks. I still, for the life of me, don't understand why, um, because I think they they both contribute a lot, and and I, and I have to say, Brandon Thomas Asante couldn't have been more effusive in his in his praise of um, of Darnell Furlong after the game in his in his post match interview. I mean, I just, I just thought they were both a massive, massive part of this of this win, and 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 I think it's worth emphasising, Pete, that. The, the 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 old expression is there's more than more than one way to skin a cat, which is not a phrase I'm particularly particularly a fan of. If I'm honest, it's a bit of a gruesome phrase if 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 I'm truthful. But there's I think there's more than one way to be an attacking fullback. People seem to think that to be an attacking fullback, you've got to be flying up and down the touchlines. You've got to be all energy. You've got to be all, all hustle and bustle. You've got to be flying past your your wide man and on the overlap or whatever. But there's other ways that you can do it and and playing progressive. Passes, um, winning winning headers in the penalty area as Darnell Furlong does as uh, as well. These these are all ways in which you can be an attacking fullback, and I think ours are are very good at being attacking in a very different sort of a way. Okay, maybe it doesn't always catch the eye in quite the way that it would do. You know, if you're uh, a, a, a you know a real flyer of a of a, of a fullback you know thundering thundering forward and going uh, and going past the uh, past uh, past the, uh, the 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 wide man and uh, and flying off into the box you know a bit like for example Pedro Porro does for uh, for Tottenham or whatever the, yeah okay that's going to always look a bit more eye catching than uh, than playing uh, playing nice uh, playing nice passes and winning headers and stuff like that. But nonetheless, if you're winning headers in dangerous areas, if you're playing passes into the final third, progressive passes, key passes, you're making chances happen. And I thought both of them did yesterday, and I think both bo- uh, both of them do most weeks. But it just goes a little unnoticed. Yeah, and to be fair, they were getting forward as well, especially Furlong. He was really trying to get up and support Tom Fellows um, on the right wing and. If you look at progressive passes received, then I believe, based on FB refs data, yeah, Darnell Furlong tops it alongside Tom Fellows and Pippa with four progressive passes received. With the data I've got, I've got um, I put at six progressive passes received. Um, I think that's because two of them come from Alex Palmer. Um, when Palmer likes to clip the ball out to the the right back spot, which we did quite a lot against Blackburn, and was a really um a really useful way to to move the ball forward because Furlong just kept winning the ball in the air. I think he kind of might have fr- frightened um, Sigurdsson, the, the Blackburn left winger, after the first header that he went up for, left um, the Blackburn player in a heap on the floor for, for 10 minutes. But after that, Furlong just kept winning headers and, you know, even the one in the box for uh, the assist to, to Brandon. So he was he was useful in getting forward, allowing us to move the ball 
board. And yeah, it was just important that he got up there and supported fellows and also got back and into his defensive shape. Um, it didn't really cause any trouble in that area of the pitch, any balls in behind, despite the amount that Furlong was getting forward. And, and Townsend was similar, reached tuck in quite a lot so Townsend had got to overlap a bit and you know he, he put in the put in the miles to get up and down the pitch and yeah was good on the ball as he usually is played a lot of progressive passes which yeah he tends to and just pretty clean on the ball despite being I suppose that's for me that's probably the big criticism well one of the big criticisms of Townsend um, which I don't have too many of is he's very one-footed but despite mainly using that left foot of his he doesn't really get caught in trouble too much with it um, you think it might be an area of the pitch, an area of his game that opponents might try to to focus on and try and force him onto his right foot, etc. But he he seems to always find a way out of tight situations with his left foot and did against Blackburn and kept the ball well, allowed us to move forward um, and supported the attacks when we did get forward. So both fullbacks, very good. Uh, to be fair, I think he struggled to find anyone on the pitch for Albion that, that wasn't very good. But yeah, uh, full credit to, to both Connor and Darnell. Last one on a wide player before we before we move on to a more more central player to finish off, Pete. But I just got to give him a mention. Pippa only played half an hour, yet four four take ons, three successful, the most of anybody on the on the pitch. Managed two shots on goal. Managed uh, managed naught. I think it was zero point nine xg as well. Uh, uh, well, post shot expected goals. I should uh, I should say. I mean, he was. He's fun, isn't he? I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to find a really, a really technical way of, uh, of saying this, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna give up because I, I'm gonna say what I want to say. He's fun, isn't he, Pippa? I, I, I just, I, I just like him. I just like him. He's, he, I mean, he's different. My God, he's not a fullback. I mean, anybody who read my, read my article in the week about, um, uh, about Albion signings and and reviewing them, I, I said one of the biggest things that that problems that Pip has got is is working out where to play him and and that you know he was initially brought in see, or seen to be cover for for Furlong. For me, he's absolutely not. He's and I think that I think Corbrand's opinion has evolved a little bit in in this system with a with a four. He's just absolutely not. The one game he started at fullback was was Coventry, which is um, one of the games that we gave up the most XG in all season. So, and I'm not necessarily saying that's all Pippa's fault, but I think it was a contributing factor. And I, I think he's much better suited to one of the attacking wide roles. But I mean, he's fun, isn't he? I, I I really don't know how he how he went away from that game without without a goal. I love the one where he cut inside and he's he's unlucky. He's just dragged the 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 the, uh, the shot wide. I mean, I think he's got to score the one where Brandon puts it back across goal. To be honest with you, I'm I'm, I'm not really sure how he's managed to miss that one. If if I'm truthful, but I mean, he, he when he comes on, Pete, you you just you just know this is going to be entertaining that it's going to be decent and worth watching he takes players on he commits them he wants to get shots away he wants to put the ball into into the box he wants to get into the final third and i'll just go back to the word that i said a moment ago he's just a lot of fun isn't he yeah sometimes he just looks like a fullback that's been allowed to play at left winger and he's just enjoying every minute of it like he wants to take people on he wants to get into the box and get chances and um yeah he's really exciting to watch when he comes on for the last 20 or 30 minutes of a game. Well, yeah, he was very good as well. He, he could have easily walked away with a goal or two goals. Um, I'm not going to criticise him for the, the for the one that uh, Brandon squared to him. I think that probably should have been a slightly better ball. He didn't really get to it till right at the back post where the keeper had already got, got there. So 
you know, if we're going to criticise Brandon for anything, which I don't think there really was anything to criticise him on, it's that one ball that he played with a little bit too much weight. Um, but Pippa was terrific, really fun to watch. And I really like the uh, the tackle he made for his chance where he kind of cut inside and just, just pulled it slightly wide. I think he took a bit of a sloppy first touch, but after that he was just really strong in the tackle for the defender that tried to take it off him. And that's what created the chance. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, I think we said last week that probably his biggest strength is that he's just so versatile and at the minute he's looking a lot better as a kind of left winger than he is at any other position. Which... You wouldn't want to see him at fullback in a four though, would you? I mean, not not not, not from the start, not from nil-nil, surely. Not the way that he's been playing recently, but I'd, it's difficult to tell because it might just be that he's given this freedom to as because he's playing as a left winger to kind of be a bit more a bit more, bit more fun on the ball where he could take players on and and just yeah just be a bit more exciting whether he's got the side of his game to play as a fullback in a back four where he, he might need to show a bit more discipline and look a bit more boring I think it remains to be seen but at the minute he's looking very good as a winger where he's got the freedom to be exciting and and do everything that he did against Blackburn but yeah, at the minute, he certainly seems to be more cover for that that left wing spot than he does at fullback. Um, I don't, I don't know if he would be as good in a game where we've not got the league lead, and particularly in a game that he starts. I don't know if I'd want to see him start as left winger because he's he just seems to take risks, which I mean is is quite the opposite to Adam Reach. And you feel like he's better as an impact player at this, at yeah, this point in time. Especially when the game's stretched like that and players are tiring because he's just full of energy and, and wants to take people on and it's just a bit unpredictable at times and I think that might suit him better, might make him more suited to games where opposition defenders are tiring, um, maybe particularly against Blackburn when they were uh, chasing the game. Um, I think that was really suited to him and it showed because he had a, a really good performance. Um, I wonder if he can do it from, from the start of a game or whether, you know, he you want to keep the ball a bit more, keep possession a bit more, take fewer risks, and and have somebody who's a bit more disciplined. Um, but like I say, we, we've not probably not really seen enough of him to to know whether he's got that side to his game as well. Just to finish, Pete, I, I, I want to talk about Alex Mower, and partly because we don't talk about Alex Mower a lot, and I'll I, I want to let I want to let people into the into the reason why we don't talk about Alex Mower a lot. It's because how many times can you uh, can we come onto this podcast and say he's absolutely brilliant? Like, there's only so many times you can say the same things about him. It's like when we don't mention Alex Mower, it's not because he's not been brilliant. It, it, to be honest, if Alex Mower ever had a bad game, we'd absolutely mention it on the podcast because he never ever does. He's just it, it, we we almost don't, we don't mention him because he does it every week, Pete, and it's like. It's like how how can we how can we just come on it every week and go? It's almost like I should put an agenda item in our running order and just and just sort of go and FYI, Alex Moat was brilliant again because he is just every week. But I think I think we've got to give him a special mention this week because clearly a big part of our tactics in in this game was that we knew we could hurt Blackburn from set plays as you say they lost the center half who they'd had on loan uh, in in the week uh, which disrupted them 
and they they looked really weak in those situations um over uh, over the course of um course of the game there was um, there was 26 aerial challenges we won 8 uh, sorry we won 18 they only won 8 of them so it shows how dominant in the in the air uh, we were throughout the course of the game and we you know look at look at the goals look at the goals uh, th- three of them have come from either set plays or second phase set plays you know the 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 first one is a, is a throw in then we've got a, a corner that um uh, sorry no it's it's a free kick isn't it that that comes back out and Moet puts back in um and drives it in low and then uh, and then the last goal is a um is a cleared corner that that Townsend puts back into the box but it's by no stretch of the imagination were they the only set plays which caused Blackburn problems. I actually actually turned to turned to my dad during the game and said, "Like, I feel like we're going to score every time we get a set play here." And whilst we definitely have the aerial superiority, Alex Mowat's delivery was just absolutely on the money, time and time again, and 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 his passing again, just time and time again. Pete, it, it's very easy when the player is just good every single week to, to end up taking that for granted. And I think, I think, I think we we've kind of got to a point where we have ignored it for a few weeks because he's, he's how many times can you say he's fantastic, but we've kind of got to a point where we need to acknowledge it again. And he was, he, he was brilliant again uh, against Blackburn, wasn't he? Alex Mowat. Mowat's just the the center of everything we do with the ball. He's just the one that, keeps everything ticking and and just everything goes through him. If you look at the the passing network for it, you know, he's right in the center of it with connections to almost every player and it just shows that he's the one connecting everything up. Um you look at his his passing numbers, he attempted 39 passes, had a 92% success rate. Obviously that's a, a really good success rate, but when you look at the fact that he played 10 progressive passes, um three passes into the penalty area, and had the highest expected threat of everyone, it tells you that he's not just playing simple passes so that he's got a really high um, success rate. He's playing important passes to help us get up the pitch, help us get into the box, um, help us get into really threatening areas. Um, So it's not easy passes that he's playing. He's playing these difficult passes, but doing it with such a high success rate that, that, yeah, he's just brilliant on the ball. And obviously the set pieces that you mentioned as well, his deliveries, Delivery is excellent. Um, and the the one pass that I just want to highlight, which is a really shame, a real shame that he didn't get an assist for it, was the the little clip over the top. I think it was early on in the first half for uh, John Swift, where he had to volley it over his shoulder, um, and unfortunately put it put it somewhere into the top of the Smethwick. But very young John Swift like finished that one as well. We were saying this in the in, in the stands, uh, Pete. It, it, he doesn't he doesn't normally go for power over placement, does he, John Swift? No, I thought he might just kind of connect with it sweetly and just put it into one of the bottom corners or something more accuracy over actual power. But he seemed to to have a go at it. I don't know if he thought oh, it's such a nice clip ball over the top that if I can catch this on the volley sweetly and smash it into the top corner, then I'm winning goal of the season here. But yeah, it was unfortunate for for Mo that he didn't get the assist for that because it was it was a, a really top performance from him with his passes. Um, and like you say, you can you can say it for Mo almost every week. Um, and because of that, maybe sometimes he doesn't get the the full credit that he deserves because you, at the minute we're kind of just expecting it from him. Absolutely, 
And long may it continue, to be honest. Let's hope we can keep taking Alex Mert for granted because it just means those performances uh, 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 keep on keep on rolling. And I think, you know, we talked before about Kipre and, and Fellows and moaned at Fabrizio Romano trying to sell our players whose contracts are running down. Well, he hasn't mentioned Alex Mert yet, but it's worth mentioning he's another one that we need to get on a new deal because uh, his deal's running out. And I think, uh, I think he's one we would be very, very keen to to see stay well we'll see if that can happen in the coming weeks see if we see if we can sign any new players as well um a, a lot of hefty links around Andy Vyman nothing an, uh, announced as yet but uh, worth looking out on our substack for um i believe Pete is going to do a piece on potential transfer targets for Albion Albion of course as i say heavily linked with Andy Vyman and I, I would imagine Vyman is not the out-and-out winger. I would imagine he's the versatile striker. So that means we would expect um, a out-and-out winger to also be signed this window. Corbran being quite open about the fact that those were the two signings that he was looking for, an out-and-out winger and a second attacker that is quite versatile. So if Vyman ticks the la- ticks the latter box, then we we still need the former. And uh, I know, Pete, you've been doing a bit of research on, uh, on, those, um, uh, on those positions. So look out for that in the... Um, in in the coming days and uh, and and uh, like as i say keep an eye on our substack for more and more fantastic content we will be back after the norwich city game when hopefully west bromwich albion have another brilliant result to talk about um it certainly if we play anything like we did against blackburn we've got a really really good chance but until then thanks for listening and pop the baggies Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNuggets share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.